0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Welcome back to The Chris and Joe Show, presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. We are the analysis team for Big Blue View, breaking things down further than just the headlines, the film, everything else you need to know that is not as blatantly clear from anything related uh, to Giants news. Today's episode, we want to break down and talk about the key takeaways from the second scrimmage during Giants training camp, as well as two corners that were signed. The two players that were added to the Giants roster were cornerback Kavari Russell and Brandon Williams. So those are two somewhat veteran players. Kivari Russell has been in the league for a few years now and has had some decent experience with two different franchises, the Bengals and the Kansas City Chiefs. In the process of adding Russell and Williams, they waived Javon Leak, which was a big surprise, and then Christian Guelo, which was not as much of a a shocking move to get rid of them. But both of these guys being added are a a step to possibly work through the losses of Xavier McKinney as well as Sam Beal, as well as DeAndre Baker. So we were speculating maybe going and getting Logan Ryan, it seems like the the addition here was to go with some cheaper options.
0: Yeah, it was. Now, Williams and Russell—they're both younger players. They actually were both drafted in the third round of the 2016 draft. So they're guys who are should be entering the primes of their careers. Uh, unfortunately, those careers did not get off to the start that I don't. I think anyone would have hoped. Williams began his career as the starter opposite Patrick Peterson for the Cardinals, but he lost that starting job, I believe, by the third game of his rookie season and never really got it back. Kavari Russell was waived by the Chiefs basically right after his rookie training camp. At the time, I believe there were concerns that he just wasn't grasping Kansas City's defense. And Andy Reid made the decision to just let him go, that it wasn't going to get any better. Hopefully, the Giants will be able to unlock the potential because both of these guys are really good athletes. They've got solid size. They're both right around six foot, 5'11, six foot, right around 200 pounds. Uh, both run right around a 4'440, solid lower body explosiveness. So they've got the the physical attributes to play in press man as well as zone coverage but neither one seems to really clicked or realize their potential yet so i think that the hope is for the giants that they could be low cost low risk additions and if one of them pays off that could be a huge dividend for the team
1: And despite the Giants having additional cap room with some of the opt-outs, particularly Nate Solder, we had talked about making moves to bring in a veteran high-priced player like maybe a Jadeveon Clowney, maybe a Logan Ryan. It seems like the Giants are doing the exact opposite and trying to keep it pretty low cost, see if some of these decent available players can play better than expected and just fill in for the meantime. Um, Chris, let's talk about the scrimmage. It was an interesting event, to say the least. There were media members that were present for the scrimmage, Ed being one of them, to go and witness how this, this Giants team looked. It was about a two-hour scrimmage, a little bit over, that moved at a pretty fast pace. But as we talked about on the last show we did, the last scrimmage breakdown, we were talking about how this... Upcoming one was going to be aired on TV for us to view and for fans to view, and we were very excited about how we were going to get to watch it. Well, Joe Judge is much smarter than all of us, and he frankly (laughs) outmaneuvered everybody with the re-air of this scrimmage if you tuned in you were probably wondering hey why does this thing keep skipping around where are all the plays in the middle and why was this only 40 minutes long well that's because Joe Judge is a smart man and he did not want to reveal very much about this scrimmage besides to those that were in the media that were at these uh, th- this event and has been already at practices so those at practice have more information <laughs> than we have access to There wasn't entirely uh, a ton to take away from this, but we still have some interesting thoughts from various performances from guys. But Chris, the the big thing here is that Joe Judge completely outworked us uh, uh, already again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and it's something that has been going on kind of around the league. Kyle Shanahan out with the San Francisco 49ers talked about it. And he said, you know, there are, are a lot of things that I would normally be very upfront with you speaking to the local media members, basically because with preseason games, I couldn't hide them. any opposing coach worth his salt is going to be able to watch our game tape and know what we're doing and why we're doing it. So there's really no reason why I should be coy with the media. I, there's nothing to gain from it. But this year, no preseason games, Shanahan, as well as the coaches in Buffalo, the obviously the coaches in New York with the Giants, they're being very, very tight-lipped. We have already heard players say, you know, I cannot comment on whatever injury I may have had. That's not me not not wanting to tell you. That's a Joe Judge rule. You know, the Giants have basically locked down a lot of injury news. Uh, There are other kind of embargoes in place that unfortunately media members are told they cannot comment on so i think this is a case of coaches and not just joe judge but coaches around the league trying to seize every little scrap of an advantage that they can wring out of this wholly singular off season where for the first time in a long time nobody is going to have any game tape for week one nobody Nobody is even going to know what vanilla schemes are going to look like or how players are going to be looking in just basic coverages. You You can kind of understand them wanting to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, with a normal preseason, we would actually be able to watch these games. There'd be a lot more transparency between teams and the media and fans, but right now, the aggressive coaches that don't want to give up any advantages to their opponents are on utter lockdown at the moment to keep themselves as hidden as possible. I kind of compare this to how college football is done, where you will have training camp for a few weeks and then you will have three inter-squad scrimmages. And with those inter-squad scrimmages, you might let family members of the players and fans come in, but you will try to prevent media members that come from putting out a lot of tape on what happened during the scrimmage just for the sake of you don't want to give any advantages to your opponent. If you can have a total shroud of confusion for who you're playing and completely surprise them, that is... It's somewhat of an advantage, and that is how you're going to accomplish it, by not allowing stuff like this to come out. So we, we were able to take some things from it, from what we were able to watch, as well as the, the notes and takeaways that were provided to us by Ed, who was in attendance. the The one glaring thing ended up being the flip of the previous scrimmage. Daniel Jones took a lot of pressure, took a lot of heat from the pass rush. There were a number of plays that I saw, and this was with the the cut-up and taking out a bunch of things, that Lorenzo Carter and other members of the pass rush were able to take advantage of miscommunications by the offensive line and get to Daniel Jones and tag him before he can make a play. So this is now a flip of the, the page from the offensive line doing really well to now the pass rush and particularly Lorenzo Carter dominating in the scrimmage.
0: Yeah. And I think that kind of, uh, that really begs the question. And it's a question that always comes up with, uh, inter-squad scrimmages where it's your offense going against your defense, where you kind of have to ask, was this good news, good news or bad news that we, that our team was able to beat itself really. So was it great that Lorenzo Carter had, depending on who was counting between three and four and a half sacks, or was it bad that the offensive line got beat like a drum, you know, without having been there to watch the scrimmage in person, I kind of have to come down on like, just, yes, it's not a great sign for the offensive line, but it's a young line that's coming together for the first time. There are going to be hiccups. There's going to be bumps in the road. And it's also good that Lorenzo Carter had that great day. Cause the giants are really counting on him. To be that speed rusher, the that guy that offenses have to plan around, that they have to account for. But some of that is also probably due to the Giants' offensive line having a not great day and him taking advantage of it. So it, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle of the excitement and doom and gloom on either, either extreme.
1: Again, like last week, kind of like you just talked about here, Chris, I, I'm not putting a ton of stock into this just from the, f- the fact that th- there are going to be swings on any given day in practice. These guys are going against each other every single day, so it's easier to pick up on some of the various tendencies of the guys you're facing. So one day the offensive line is going to do better. One day the pass rush is going to do better. It- I think it's promising to see that Lorenzo Carter came into his own and looked really good against Andrew Thomas and also Cam Fleming. But I, I wouldn't sell out the offensive line and immediately assume that they're falling apart, just like we weren't going to think, well, this, this pass or, or the this offensive line from the first scrimmage is going to be really dominant. It, it, it's going to be a bit of a swinging gate. I wouldn't be surprised if things swung back in the opposite direction for the final scrimmage um, based on how productive they're going to be. The other thing, too, with the offensive line, we did notice that Matt Par. Was working in at left tackle. Now I wonder if this is an effort to push him to left tackle and be the backup at left tackle in the event that something might happen to Andrew Thomas, or if it's just wanting to have your best next best tackle with the second group. Is this more of a commitment to Cam Fleming? I think there's a a, combo, a couple different conclusions you can take away away from this uh, the, this decision to have him at left tackle.
0: Yeah, I, I think probably the most pragmatic answer we could come up with is they're cross-training him. He obviously has experience at right tackle. He was a right tackle in college. He knows those movement patterns. He knows what he knows what the game looks like on the right side. But on game day, you need a backup tackle who can play both sides. You can't carry a backup left tackle and a ba- backup right tackle. The numbers just don't allow it. So Parrott going in and getting live, mostly live action at left tackle. That really only serve, will only help to prepare him for those game days when, you know, maybe he has to go in at left tackle. I don't want to see Andrew Thomas get hurt, but, you know, shoes come untied. He might get get a rubber pellet in the eye or something like that. Also, I think there is probably some commitment to Cam Fleming because... The Giants were very supportive of Fleming in the week coming up, leading up to this scrimmage. So they probably feel good about having him at right tackle. So they want to develop Peart as that kind of swing tackle backup. And then maybe they can figure out how they want Thomas and paired to slot in along the offensive line in the future when they're both starters, at least that's but we're, we're hoping to see them both be starters in the coming years.
1: I like the thought that you brought up that they're trying to get him experience at both sides. They acknowledge that Matt Parrot has versatility to do both because of his athletic makeup, his fluidity, ability to move um, and kick set out of his stance. All you know, Just very good footwork and movement skills for a guy of his size. So you might as well see if he can play the other side, let Cam Fleming work in with the ones for the most part from what was viewable to us in the scrimmage, and then see what Matt Parrott does at left tackle. It's, it's good if guys are capable and comfortable with it to work them in on either side just to get them that experience if you needed in a pinch to move someone over. Maybe you have some packages where you bring an extra tackle over. It also helps to have um, that level of variability by just not blatantly showing that in the scrimmage, but working him in at a different spot on the line of scrimmage. We've got two other takeaways we want to hit. Before we get to them, though, we're going to take a really short commercial break. Learn more at Marines.com. I was very interested in seeing how this linebacker group was going to look during the scrimmage, and Chris, I noticed that Devontae Downs was working in a lot with the first group in possible replacement of David Mayo, but Tay Crowder was also getting in a ton. A guy that we've mentioned to be in Contention to make the roster now that David Mayo has a torn meniscus, but both of them were getting a lot of playing time, and Tay Crowder ended up being a, a shining spot for this Giants defense, doing a pretty good job in coverage, and that is seemingly what they're going to want Tay Crowder to be is and we talked about this when we broke him down, is that that coverage guy, that guy that you put out there on third down that picks up running backs, picks up guys out of the slot, does a good job in man coverage, does a good job in zone, and he's already displaying a pretty good effort in doing so.
0: Yeah, I I kind of have to wonder if he hasn't maybe changed the math at the linebacker position just a little bit. He is a new convert to linebacker. uh, When he started his college career he was a running back so he's really still developing he's very athletic and we noted that he comes downhill very well but if he can play as a coverage guy if he can keep up with uh Deion Lewis out of the backfield that is a that makes a strong case for him to make the final roster and that's something the Giants really do need they do need that off-ball coverage linebacker you know I think there's a lot of attention paid to the downhill thumping linebackers guys who can rack up a ton of tackles who can fill gaps who can be impact players in the run game but the linebacker position has evolved especially in recent years and we've seen some of the best defenses be the defenses that feature these athletic off-ball space linebackers and that's something the Giants could really use
1: Honestly, too, the the thing that was quoted from this scrimmage was how he was able to keep up with Deion Lewis very well, and that's a huge positive. Deion Lewis is not an easy guy to keep up with. He's small, he's compact, he's shifty, and for a bigger linebacker like Tay Crowder, to keep up with a guy that tiny and that elusive and that good of a route runner is very, very good for a rookie. So I, I am on the Tay Crowder Bandwagon. I, I want to see how he does in the final scrimmage if I can actually watch it and watch most of it. Um, but he is he is a guy that has has been overperforming his value. Darnay Holmes also has been performing pretty well, and he had another good day despite finishing up with uh, an undisclosed lower body injury. The final thing that was very evident in this game was a lot of rotations with the running backs this is something that you see a lot with college scrimmages not so much with preseason games where you will work in your running backs with very random offense offensive groups uh, personnel grouping so you might have Saquon Barkley which they did with the twos Wayne Goldman with the ones Deion Lewis with the ones because you can't just keep out Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis against the twos and and watch them go off because they're going against a bunch of undrafted free agent rookies or guys that are still figuring out the the pro level of the game. So Gallman had a a big run against the backups. Deion Lewis did some good stuff out of the backfield. Both had pretty productive days to almost solidify some confidence in this backup running back group.
0: Working back to where we started with Kavari Russell and Brandon Williams being signed, one of the players released in corresponding roster moves was Javon Leak, the undrafted rookie running back who was also he figured pretty heavily into the return game well i want i wonder if the giants running backs at the top of the depth chart really namely wayne gallman have given the coaching staff the the confidence that they can get the job done and there's enough uh, enough other guys with return upside they kind of felt okay about letting leak go to bring in these two veteran corners. Gallman's 44 yard touchdown was probably the, the offensive highlight of the scrimmage. And he is a guy who is used to going against starters. He was a longtime starter at Clemson. He was at times a starting running back for the giants. He is despite the, uh, the feelings that seem to surround him on football Twitter that where, you know, he's kind of boring. He's not a guy who's going to break big plays. He'll pick up what's blocked for him, but he is a reliable running back. He is a capable, well-rounded starter. So it makes sense to get a guy like that reps with the ones going against your defensive starters and playing with your offensive starters. Because if he's on the final roster, he's going to be going against starting defenses, and playing with the Giants' starting offense.
1: It's simply another added wrinkle to getting different rotations in. But like I said, uh, I'm fairly more confident in this running back group, albeit Gallman did have a a big run against the backups. But I, I thought overall from what I was able to see, he did a pretty good job looking a little bit better than he was last year. And you have to remember with Gallman that he suffered an injury midway through the season after having a huge game. And then that was why there was this shuffling in and out of available guys to go and play when Barkley was out. And then also when Gallman was out, we had John Hillman, uh, we had Buck Allen. And now I think that Wayne Gallman is fully healthy. We can see another very productive guy as a, a strong backup on this Giants roster.
0: Yeah, agreed. And I do wonder if maybe his running style might not fit as a as the the kind of counter to Saquon Barkley that Jason Garrett is looking for. Garrett has always liked basically one cut running backs, guys who waste almost no time getting North and South. And that is Gallman's game. Like he sees a lane, picks it and hits it. Uh, Barkley for all of his skill, all of his ability, his kind of knack for creating magic out of thin air That is very much not his game. Uh, He seems to almost revel in making decisions on a moment by moment basis, and it's like, okay, there's a defender here, I'll go here. Okay, there's a defender here, I'll go. I'll make this cut and stringing together, you know, four or five moves behind the line of scrimmage, trying to pick his way through and find the best possible hole to make a highlight real play and he has the ability to make that work but that just isn't the kind of running back Jason Garrett has really ever had you know that's not the kind of running back Ezekiel Elliott is that's not the kind of back DeMarco Murray was or Marion Barber maybe maybe Felix Jones a little bit but not to the extent of Barkley so I have to wonder if maybe Gallman just doesn't fit that or if he fits that uh one cut and go mold just a little bit better or a lot better. And they like having that as a counter to Barkley's style.
1: Well, folks, that is going to be it for this episode of the Chris and Joe show. Thank you for tuning in. As always, we're getting super close to the start of the NFL season. We are two weeks away. One more scrimmage to provide takeaways for as well as looming roster cuts very, very soon. So we'll have reactions to all of those things. Stay tuned for all of those episodes. Make sure you also head to our website, bigblueview.com to hear and see anything news related for the New York Giants. Also follow us on social media at Big Blue View. You can follow me at Joe DeLeon. You can follow Chris at Raptor M-K-I-I. Stay tuned for more Giants content coming out as camp continues to close out.